When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome into the latest emergency edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin' Polyner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you on a Thursday evening. I'm post-bedtime here, Jay. We're post. I, I think the girls are in bed, so hopefully, no crying and running in, wondering what all the yelling is about, uh, comes from the couple rooms over because Daddy's office is uh, trying to got got all the got all the uh, streaming devices going on over there, trying to got the hatches going, playing the playing the you know the background sounds to keep everything out of out of out of sight and out of mind, keep them asleep. But doesn't mean I'm not still going to get into this one. I mean. It, this might be well other than post draft night uh, this is the latest we've ever recorded a podcast but uh those post draft ones it we were always cracking a beer for the best beer of the year maybe i'm sure there's probably a lot of listeners and bengal fans out there cracking a beer or two cracking the today. worst beer of the year for them at this <laughs> point i mean yeah i mean this is a uh, this is up there on the worst case scenario scale mm-hmm. we're going to get into all angles of the jamar chase injury now uh here for you and uh and then get on with our the rest of the podcast, uh, our normal podcast as we do, uh, if you haven't seen our conversation with Zach Jackson, the J-Head with Zach Jackson, is uh, is currently also up on the YouTube feed, um, but we'll have that for you if you're listening to this on the regular podcast platforms uh, as well in this episode, and then uh, we'll get to all of our normal stuff. We've got Arby's, Run Passer Boots, Jay's Got Stats, uh, we'll have Growler Bets, Predictions, all of that stuff. Um, but you know, the majority of what we're going to do here and what we're going to start with is going to be about Jamar Chase. And it's going to be, uh, about what happens next, what has happened. How will the Bengals deal with where things are at? Let's start there. Where are things at? Jamar Chase has a hip fracture. Now that word is scary. Um, and when you hear that, uh, people go to the worst place, right? You start thinking about, I know when I first heard it, start thinking about what Bo Jackson, um, Mm -hmm. you know, people, you, you hear about stuff like that and you get nervous about that. And I can tell you internally, um, there was nervousness about this as well. When you started getting into, okay, what exactly is going on? You know, he had he was listed on the injury report prior to the Atlanta game. We had seen him sort of, you know, he came out of the New Orleans game with with a little bit of something going on there in his hip. It was believed to be a hip flexor strain. And then he gets into the Atlanta game. And then right before halftime, uh, you see him go down, go on a route. And then he kind of like he hits a step and sort of hobbles and he hobbles for a while. And then he stops and then he eventually goes to his knees. Um, this is right before halftime, pops up, walks off. No, I shouldn't say pops up. He gets he gets up, and then he ends up walking off slowly to the locker room because it was right before halftime with the trainers. 
Comes out in the second half, looks okay, uh, plays, you know, three catches for 18 yards in the second half, but played you know, and everything. So out of sight, out of mind, really, with that. Um, come to find out, not at all. When he comes back this week, you know, there's there's something going on there. They go in and they take a much closer look at everything, and it reveals this um, fracture, uh, something in the bone. And on top of what was going on with the flexor, you know, the, the the muscles there, there was actually, Jay, you know, this is weird to say, some relief in this mm-hmm. because no surgery, no hip dislocation, you know, none of that stuff. It's just a matter of the bone healing. Okay. Now, again, we talked about fractures. You know, there's a lot of different ways that can be. That can be something as simple as an avulsion fracture. If you're not familiar with this, I've become very familiar with this. So <laughs> you, you, it is something where if you have uh, the, the flexor strain or whatever's going on with your muscles, it can – when that happens, uh, whatever happens, strain, whatever happens there can fleck off a piece of bone in the process, right? It's called an avulsion fracture. It's not anything super serious, but you do have to wait for it to totally heal because if the second you start doing a bunch of stuff, putting pressure on it, things like that, you can maybe open it up to be more. Okay. So, but it doesn't require, you know, you don't have to do anything major with it. It's just a matter of letting it heal all the way. Um, that's part, that's part of an equation. This could be too. But when you get into that world, it's, it must heal before you start pushing somebody back into it. And and that's the biggest part of this and really the most challenging part of this. I know, you know Adam Schefter reports at four to six weeks, and I think that's the general timeline. Expectations are Jamar will go on IR. Um, more than likely, but that's not official yet. Um, I think that's part of the decisions that were being made here about, you know, do you – do we have roster spots? Do they need roster spots? Should they take that chance? Is there a chance he could come back in that fourth game? You know? Um, and so when, when they're when they're analyzing that side of things, saying, okay, well, how long will that take? You don't know. You cannot know for sure how long it will take a bone in someone's body and that part of someone's body to definitely heal. And so hope they, I think the idea is that it would be in that range. Um, but these things are unknown. Could be shorter. Could be longer. And, and that, that's the hard part of it, I think. Uh, but, you know, that's really what this is all about I mean, in getting him back. You know, they, they, people have told me, Jamar feels good. It's just when you get in there and you look at it, yeah. the, the pictures show something that they have to get taken care of. And obviously the the timetable is the big concern here. And if you're looking for a silver lining, I mean, it pro I mean, other than the off season, it probably couldn't have happened at a better time. I mean, your next three opponents are all two and five. And the trade deadline is right around the corner. If this happens this time next week, they're out of luck. They can't go trade. And I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. Certainly it's an option. That's what makes it tricky is not knowing yet what the timeline is. Are they Would they be willing to part with picks or a player to, to get another receiver? Do they go the free agent route and just sign somebody off the street? But, but the fact that this did happen 
right when they're hitting this stretch of two and five teams and that it hit before the trade deadline if you're looking for any kind of silver lining other than what you mentioned where it's it doesn't require surgery which would have been worst case scenario i think that is it that the, the timing of this um it it hits them in a spot where they can do something so there's a lot of fallout there to dive into, into what yeah. comes next, right? I mean, and, and how will this team deal with that? Those four games you mentioned. Now, IR, if they do go the IR route, which, again, that is sort of the expectation here, mm-hmm. um, that is four games, not weeks. So it would be five weeks technically because there's a bye week sandwiched in the middle here. So you would be talking about losing at Cleveland, obviously, on Monday Night Football Carolina uh, at home by at Pittsburgh at Tennessee would be your best case scenario for a return coming, of course, against Kansas City uh, at home to go ahead and 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 re up that rivalry uh, if that was the case. Again, that would be a best case scenario situation under an assumption that he does go on IR. We don't know that that would be the case. I mean, again, I like everything that was mentioned about the timeline. But you're right. I mean, that is a doable stretch. It's it's something that would feel winnable to hold on fine there to to get through that. Um, here's the thing: when we talk about what comes next, and the sense that I've gotten, I would argue extracting Jamar Chase from the equation. They still have better skill group than about 65% of the league. Mm -hmm. (laughs) T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, throw Mike Thomas as your third receiver in there. Hayden Hurst, Joe Mixon, you know, Chris Evans, Joe freaking Burrow. Okay. It's why you got the quarterback, right? The quarterback pulls you through. The quarterback makes everyone better. The quarterback is what makes it go. Is Jamar Chase great? Yes. Does he make everyone around him better? Does he make Joe Burrow better? Yes. This is not a bare cupboard. And this is not Mitch Trubisky trying to get by without weapons. This is Joe Burrow, man. Mm -hmm. Like, they have plenty of firepower to make this work. Certainly make it work over the stretch of teams that we just mentioned. Yeah, and I mean, huge opportunity for for T. Higgins where yeah. you hear people saying all the time that they have three number one receivers. Well, this is when a chance he gets to prove it arguably a second time. Because if you ask me in 2020, T. Higgins was wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. He's playing with Tyler Boyd and you know a shell of A.J. Green. And then the other guy, a few handful of catches, Mike Thomas, Auden Tate, Alex Erickson – T. Higgins was the guy that year until Joe Burrow gets hurt, and then everything was kind of just disjointed. But he he showed he can he can be the guy, and you can argue that this is a a, a I mean it's a two year better Joe Burrow. I think Hayden Hurst is better than C.J. Uzama. You're right. You you've got the the Chris Evans piece that you didn't have before. Maybe you did with Gio, um, but it's. It is. It's not a death knell. It is this this team, this offense, this defense. Let's not forget that part yeah, of it. That's this important. defense can shut teams down. We've seen them do it in the second half. Five games already. They've held teams to 20 or fewer points. None of these offenses they're facing the next three weeks are juggernauts. 
I, yeah, I, I, as bad as it is, I think, you know, as upset as people are to be losing Jamar Chase, it's not, it's, it's not a death sentence to this season. Not at all. I mean, look, here, here's what, here's one thing that I, I think you're going to see a lot of creativity is going to be necessary from any coaching staff. You would expect this, but I think so here, they have pieces to be creative with the number one, Tyler Boyd. Look, mm-hmm. we have seen in the past that he has been used all over the place. I mean, 2018, uh, he played outside. He played inside. It was part of his 2019. You know, he played all over the place. Um, and he's and he's been successful there. And, and he can play outside. Of the, I mean, he, he is a premier slot receiver. Um, but his versatility to play inside and out can be utilized now. Um, I would expect to see Trent Taylor and Trenton Irwin. Also, uh, pulled off everyone's favorite preseason, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, training camp star they want to talk about. You know, Trent Irwin, I think you'll see him come off and, and play some kind of role. You could work Boyd on the outside with a guy like Irwin, who, or excuse me, like Taylor, too, that has a kind of a, a unique slot skill set that you can use and find ways to use that. And Mike Thomas has enough speed. You know, to do stuff over the top if you need. He's he's caught balls in games. It's not like he's never played. He knows the system. Um, I, I, Hayden Hurst, Joe Mixon, there's enough pieces here um, that you can be creative and still be dynamic and let Burrow figure it out. Like, I, you can still run a, the vast majority of the offense that you're still running right now. Yeah, you're not going to have that lean back on the primary weapon of what Burrow and Chase have. And, and that's an, a challenge to overcome for them. But there's plenty of other things Joe Burrow can do. He can still sit back there and pick apart a defense. He can still find guys and anticipate no matter who it is and, and find ways to develop that chemistry. Um, you lose some explosiveness and some playmaking with Chase, but I think you still have that with the other weapons and with Burrow. And I don't think I don't anticipate them losing sight of that and what is making their offense go. Jamar Chase isn't the only thing making this offense go. The spreading it around and the distribution is what has been making it go. The concern is right that all the shades you've seen to Chase. Um, all the attention paid to Chase, how much that has helped open up everybody else, goes away. And now are you going to see the Dolphins strategy happen next, right? Well, what do we see the Dolphins do? Double T, double Tyler, and then – or excuse me, it was double Chase, double Tyler at that time and leave T Higgins one-on-one. Well, now you would be double T, double Tyler and leaving whoever else is out there one-on-one, Mike Thomas or, Mike Thomas. or whatever you have going on. What does that look like? You know, um, that, and, and that'll be something for them to sift through. But again, I, I lean back into the burrow factor on the short term of how to get through this. It's why you have that guy. It's why the quarterbacks make the money. It's why he's going to be the richest paid person in the NFL before too long. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is you could see them relying or leaning on what they like to do so much going five wide and empty and letting Joe Burrow process quickly and find the guy quick. But can you afford to do that against a Cleveland defense with Jadavian Clowney, Miles Garrett? That might be a little risky. But I do think that you mentioned him, and I, I think he's the wild card in all of this because it's – I know preseason is what it is. But 
Trent Taylor just makes plays. And we saw the two point conversion in the AFC championship game. We've saw it. We've seen it in, in training camp when it's ones on ones. It, it just, it seemed like every day he comes up with one where you're like, wow. And I don't think he's going to be the leading receiver by any means, but I would not be stunned at all to, to see him make one or two really big plays Monday night. Um, it, he, he's got a good rapport with Joe Burrow. And like I said, he's, he's one of those guys that he's not going to wow you with his physical tools, but he just makes plays. He's in the right spot, good hands. And I, I think he could be a real wild card for this offense while Jamar Chase is out. I, I would expect to see, you know, a little, a slight expansion of the Chris Evans role in some mm. capacity. You know, there's a lot of different packages that they can do, sub packages that they can do. I think, I think they will probably carve out something for him uh, as they go forward and, and, and just try to use some of those guys that aren't as utilized at this point and for what they can do. And Evan's obviously a dude with great hands that can go and play outside for you a little bit or, or have something, something that you can factor in there. So there's, there's a bunch of stuff already on the team and, you know, for, for, for Monday, um, certainly that you'll be looking at for, for what direction they go. But I think this is about T Higgins proven he's wide receiver Mm -hmm. one and Tyler Boyd proven that he is a versatile weapon that can hit you from a number of different areas and not just be some slot guy. And that's a lot like with Burrow, that's a lot, um, you know, for a defense to deal with just that alone. Um, and so I, I think that's, that's where it starts. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Now let's talk about the trade deadline aspect of this. Okay, so 4 o'clock on Tuesday is your trade deadline. Um, will the Bengals spring a deal? I, I've got a couple um, of different things to weigh here for you, Jay. One, the Bengals have two point eight million in cap space. They're amongst the smallest amount of cap space left in the league. I think they're twenty third um, in cap space, so they don't have a lot of room to work with in, in the first place. So anybody talking about acquiring has to have a low figure. You know, we know their reluctance to go redo deals to clear space. I would not anticipate that they're not going to trade away some major piece. They don't like to trade. They don't want to trade draft picks. I think some teams would handle this differently, right? I do think some teams would come in, find a way to clear space, restructure a deal, do whatever, mortgage some future to cover their their asses for four weeks or six weeks or whatever. The Bengals are not going to be that team. They're not going to do that. I'm just telling you. There's not enough space, and I think they like what they have and feel like that's more than enough for them to get by than to start giving away assets and making major trades. It's, it's just not something that I anticipate from them in the current spot that they're in right now to pull somebody off the street or, or from another team with little to no experience in this system and think that they'll be able to quickly come in and have an impact in this span. Yeah, Maybe down the stretch, you maybe, maybe down the line, you could find somebody that could come and have an effect in that span. But at that point, then, the theory here is that Jamar is back and now you don't need that person. So what are you really trading for? There are names available. There's names to kick around, but logistically from a Bengals standpoint, um, uh, you're not going to see them out, you know, making the move that everyone talks about. I just don't see that. 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. They they don't like giving up picks. The the one name that kind of intrigued me that it, it hits where he he was a first round pick and he is on a team that has no draft picks. That's Jerry Judy. And that you it would talk a lot to get that guy and they're not going to they're not going to give up picks like that, but Denver's desperate. They are they're a wreck. They're they're already shopping Jerry Judy. They only have four picks next year because they gave away all their picks for the Russell Wilson deal. But so salary wise, quality wise, that hits. But the the picks part of it, that that it it's just not what this team does. The the other avenue that you go beyond signing a guy off the street or trading for a guy is thirty one other teams with a sixteen player practice squad. You can go pluck. A receiver there. Now he's not going to come in and and be an immediate impact. But if there's a guy they like and you've got a roster spot because you're going to IR Jamar Chase, I mean it might be worth a flyer to go get a guy that's that's. It's not going to cost you anything. It's going to be minimal, real cost, money cost. It's not going to cost you draft picks. The team can't block you. It's up to the the player on the practice squad whether he wants to come be on your 53. But that's. That's just a that's a third option between the big ones everybody are talking about as as far as going out and getting a Deshaun Jackson or a player Will Fuller a guy that's on the street right now or making a trade and giving up assets which the Bengals just never seem willing to do. Yeah, Jackson just landed on somebody's PS, but oh, way, you're right, he did. Yeah, either way, the point is, I mean, that's the type of the people you're talking about. I mean, these are not guys that are going to come in and fill a Jamar Chase role. No. I mean, that's just not a thing that anybody can do, and certainly no one that you're going to acquire. Um, you know, and I think their view is, you know, the best part is that, look, you can sit here and look at the guys that have been in the system and that can make it work for a while. I mean, rather than trying to bring somebody in from the outside, a few names that, that, you know, have been kicked around and maybe there's an intriguing nature. One name that's thrown around a lot. I've seen it. And, you know, I mentioned it even in the story. These are names that have been bandied about. Brandon Cooks, okay, Texans, right? History with Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor uh, likes him. Uh, you know, they were productive together in, with the Rams and went to Super Bowl together. With, literally, Zach was his assistant wide receivers coach, uh, I believe. And so, you know, that sounds great. You know what doesn't sound great? 18 mil guaranteed on the books next year. Can't get away from that. Like, there's no – the Texans would have to eat like his entire salary, and their whole point of trading him is to get rid of that salary. Yeah. So you, the Bengals are not going to take on eighteen million dollars in twenty twenty three under any scenario, considering they're about to give everybody all the monies. Okay. So scratch. Uh, we can talk about Kendrick Bourne's an interesting name to me. He's been thrown out there in New England. He had turf toe. Just showed up last week that took him out of last week's game. Now that would be a little bit more feasible. Two point three four if he, if acquired this year, no guaranteed money next year. So this could just be a true rental. Got some speed. I don't. We don't know what's going on with that turf toe though. Just showed up. You know, you, this guy's here for the short term. You're gonna get him. He's got turf toe, right? You don't <laughs> know. So you have to get a physical on him and take a guess. Now you mentioned Judy. Sure. Again, the the cost is going to be high to trade away. I just don't see them giving up a lot of capital for somebody like that. Uh, you have two more years on his rookie deal. Terrace Marshall is an interesting name. Carolina, we know they're on sell mode. 
a dude from LSU. Uh, so there's familiarity there. Uh, an LSU receiver to replace an LSU receiver was basically pegged to replace Jamar Chase uh, at LSU. Maybe there would be some interest there. But again, you know, I don't know how quickly he's going to be. I mean, he hasn't been able to catch on in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the train wreck is there? But, uh, you know, to come in and be an instant impact, I, I don't know. He does have speed, and that's something you're looking for right now with Higgins not being a burner, Boyd not being a burner. Um, you know, I, I would say he's probably somebody who maybe you would be kicking the tires on depending on what kind of deal you could get. Hey, Carolina took on uh, former Bengals cast-off offensive lineman Michael Jordan. Maybe they'll take on Jackson mm-hmm. Carmen too and follow, follow in line. Um I feel probably not, but <laughs> again, I mean, these are the levels that you're, or now you're talking about dudes on the street, D.D. Like mm-hmm. Westbrook. I mean, these dudes are on the street, For a okay? They're not showing up, and suddenly it's like you don't mind that Jamar Chase is gone because D.D. Westbrook's here, okay? This isn't changing things. You're better off with the people that know the system, that know where to run it, that will be in the right place. So that when Burrow's working his magic, the dude's in the right place. The system as it's going to go and needs to be is needs to be Joe Burrow working it. Okay. So all he needs everybody else to do is run the right routes and be in the right place and understand what is supposed to be happening out there. The idea of throwing a foreign object into the mix that Burrow now has to have wonder if he even knows what he's doing is not the way to fix this problem in their estimation. It's having the players you have in the building that can work with Burrow, that Burrow has worked with, that have a chemistry and understanding of where to be and let Burrow make them shine. That's what the good quarterbacks do. When they lose weapons, when they don't have receivers, they make the other weapons shine because those other weapons know how to play, right, and just follow the rules of the play. I think that's really a big part of the Bengals' reaction to filling in for the loss of Chase. Sounds like time for a run, pass, or boot. Yeah, let's do it. You owe one? Oh, I do. Let's go. All right. What happens first? A wide receiver on this team, other than Boyd or Higgins, catches a TD pass. A wide receiver not currently on this roster catches a TD pass. Jamar Chase returns from injury and catches a TD pass. Which one happens first? Uh, well, I'm I'm running with a wide receiver other than Boyd or Higgins. Somebody's going to catch. I mean, I could see you know any of those guys. I could see, if they're out there. Mike yeah. Thomas is caught. Mike Thomas caught a touchdown pass from Joe Burrow in Cleveland two years ago. He did. Yeah, second uh, career touchdown pass if I remember. That's right. And and so Trent Taylor has caught a two point conversion mm-hmm. in the AFC freaking championship game from Joe Burrow. There are trust levels here, okay? Established. So that type of stuff, yeah, I would run with that. Um, I would pass on um, a chase, TD pass. Yeah. Chase is going to catch the the next one. And then a wide receiver not on this roster. I mean, if you're saying not on the 53-man, maybe. uh, Maybe Trent Irwin gets one. Uh, But, I mean – not currently on this roster. I don't see that happening. Yeah, I, w- I was same order. Those were the two that I was debating. Where you know you just don't know what the timeline is with Jamar, and if they, if 
they come to a realization, a realization that it's going to be longer than four to six weeks, then, then maybe they do go out and sign somebody, get them up to speed. But I, I think if you're, if you're, just betting on likelihood, I'd go the same order and, and run with some a receiver other than Boyd Higgins, pass on Jamar, and then boot the the wide receiver. Not I should have said not in the building because I was including practice squad guys. Okay, I got one for you out of the blue here. Thanks to All our right. comments in the stream. Run, pass, or boot. Most likely to return to the Bengals. John Ross. AJ Green. Chad Ochocinco. <laughs> Chad, those <laughs> other two are not happening. Chad on a one day. Chad on a one <laughs> yeah, day. Like exactly. he'd, he'd show up. He he could. I think Chad could show up and catch a ball. You know, strap on the. Uh, would T have to give up the eighty five for a game? Uh, no, because he would have to buy up all the jerseys that oh, are out yeah. there to do Ocho that. Chad would be able to be putting them out. What would he? Yeah. What would he do? He have to. He, yeah, Lord, I don't even want to think about it. Uh yeah, I don't know. Most like Ocho. Give me some Ocho on that one. Uh, I'd take that over over John Ross or, or AJ Green returning. I don't think that's happening. Um, John Ross is on the street, isn't he? I don't even think he's on a practice squad right now. I believe so. And AJ Green was washed up two years ago. He hasn't gotten faster. No. Um, so one other one other note. Well, a couple other notes. But one, I just want a a, a a little side note on a point that I was making earlier. The great quarterbacks lift. Others. This is just an example. As I was just doing a quick search, I remember you know twenty twenty, it's early twenty twenty. Devontae Adams goes out for two weeks for Green Bay early mm-hmm. in the season. I mean, the 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 comparison has been what right? Chase and Burrow is like Aaron and Devontae were when they had it cooking, right? Um, he goes out for two weeks. The first game without him. Rodgers throws for 283 and three touchdowns and scores 37 points <laughs> to beat Breeze and the Saints, who went 12-4 and four that year, by the way. Uh, they went 37-30. to 30. Uh, Alan Lazard with 146 in that game. Okay, The next week, they put up 30 to beat Atlanta. Rodgers throws for 327 and four touchdowns. Six dudes had 20 yards receiving, two with 90-plus. He was using receivers and tight ends and all kinds of dudes all over the place. Okay, Because if you're a quarterback – you're a real quarterback, and I think most people who follow the Bengals or are watching this podcast know Joe Burrow is. Yes. You find a way, and you make it work, and you suddenly make a star out of somebody else. You know? That's part of it. That's part of it. If you're out there, you can be used by Joe Burrow. You know? Chase makes him better. Chase makes everyone better. The Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes has found a way to keep making it cook, okay? And granted, he had a whole offseason to plot for that, but I, I don't think this is some unovercomable thing. I mean, shoot, Burrow's got a way more. I'd take Burrow's weapons today without Chase over what you have in Kansas City, and that's with Kadarius Tony. you know? I mean, I, I'm just saying this is not – some situation where Burrow can't go out there and still continue to play at the very high level that he has been. I mean, he's already climbing the the odds for MVP. If he carries them through this stretch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's yeah. right there in the mix. Um, one other thing. And I, I'm full of points tonight. This feels like a column <laughs> is coming. Uh, 
how do you think the rest of the Bengals, the T. Higginses, the Tyler Boyds, the Joe Mixons, hell, the Joe Burrows, feel about the growing narrative that the Bengals can't win without Jamar Chase? You don't think that resonates? Yeah. You don't think that hits for these dudes who'd played in the Super Bowl and are pretty prideful of of how good they are and how talented they are and pretty confident? People doubting them now? What are they going to do without Jamar Chase? How are they going to win without Jamar Chase? I, I think that hits home. And, you know, I think you saw the same thing happen for this defense. I mean, DJ Reader's kind of the Jamar Chase of the defense in a lot of ways. <laughs> a little slow. We all know who Jay Tufele is. <laughs> and you overcome it. Guys step up, you find other ways to win, right. and you play, you find ways to play well. You know? It'd be different if Burrow went down. Okay? Your engine's still here. So I just and now you have, I think, I'm gonna guess. Some pretty motivated dudes who are pretty happy to play that disrespect card that they loved playing all last year, too, again, um, as they feel everyone wondering how they're going to win without Jamar. Just another thought. Just another thought. You can guess those other guys are going to want to play that card. You know for an absolute fact that Joe Burrow is going to play that card. Tell that yeah. guy he can't do something. Yeah. You know how that goes. Um. Because I've got more points, Jay. I had to push one back to Arby's. Okay. okay. I got, I've got one coming in the Arby's section. Okay. In a minute. Um, we have kind of covered all the ground here in the Chase talk. If you're, thanks everybody that's come on to the stream tonight. Uh, appreciate you stepping in late and hope you haven't had too many drinks this evening. Or maybe you have. Go ahead. Do it all. Uh, pop, a, pop a Sunday scary while you're at it, you know? Uh, and so – Thanks for joining us. Uh, if you have some other questions that you feel have gone unanswered about this chase situation, please drop them in the chat and uh, I'll poke around if there's, I feel like there's something else we need to hit before we sign off tonight, but we're going to take a quick break. Uh, for those of you listening on podcast platform, uh, Zach Jackson and Jay talking about everything going on in Cleveland. Now, Jay, obviously this was recorded with <laughs> Zach before this news came out. In fact, I was recording with Zach on the Civilized Barking podcast when this happened. We were in mid podcast when when uh, we had to kind of dip out of it. If you want to hear a distracted person talking to a microphone, you can go listen to me on that podcast. Um, but uh, so we have that um, that conversation coming up, and then we'll come back and get into our Arby's and predictions and run past our boots and all that stuff. But let's take a quick uh, break first. All right, now we're going to head up to Cleveland and talk to good friend of the show, AFC North whip around creator and founder and historian of bad football, Zach Jackson. Uh, Zach, how are you today? I like the last one the best. Um, <laughs> I'm great, Jay. You know, it, it, it's been, um, put it this way, I was talking to a colleague of mine who covers a team for another site last night, and it was like, as crazy as this off season was, this season's been worse just from a standpoint mm. of things are all over the place, you know? So um, the Browns are not a bad team, right? The The Browns are a team in transition again. It's been a lot. And, you know, I think they're already sunk quite frankly, but 
Um, they, they do have good history against the Bengals. And if they're as pissed off as we think they are, then, you know, I expect a good effort and we'll just find out on Monday if that's good enough. Yeah. You kind of hit on my first question there where it, it has been a lot of, uh, bad seasons. This wasn't supposed to be one of them. Um, I, I know that there was going to be a kind of a, a waiting out for Deshaun Watson, but that, that's a good roster. What, what has gone wrong these first seven weeks? Yeah. I mean, to go full coaching cliche, it hasn't <laughs> connected, right? That when the yeah. offense has been good, the defense was mud. Um, the special teams has been consistently bad and they just haven't made the plays. You know, they had to play a game without Garrett and Clowney because Garrett wrecked his Porsche and they got run all over. You're just not going to be good enough then. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brissett has been way better than anyone expected, but he throws an awful interception at the end of the game against the chargers. And it, it just sinks a great drive. You know um, the debate here is, is, are they over Are they using Nick Chubb enough? Should they be overusing him? And, and he's leading the league in rushing, you know, um, should he have the ball in his hands over Brissett? Sure. But defenses know that's coming too. And specifically mm-hmm. the last two weeks, teams have just dared them to throw the ball. It's a completely different defense than what they're seeing. So it's there. I think some of the players are not as good as we thought. I think there's been some key management or penalty issues certainly last week, but I just think it, it's been a lack of connectivity, Jay, in terms of the defense finally played really well last week, a winning effort but it was the first one in over a month. Yeah. The Chubb thing's interesting. You wrote about that. Um, the, you know, are the fans off base and, and thinking he should run the ball more? He's got the third most carries in the league. And you do have a, a guy in Kareem Hunt there who needs to get yeah. carries too. I mean, what, what what's your stand on that? Should they get him the ball more often or do they, are, are they striking the right balance? Yeah, there, there's a couple of things. I mean, they, they try to run play action because the defense is telling them we need, you know, we're not going to take away the run and they take a sack on the first play of the second half. And then that leads to getting strip sack two plays later. So, so they're close, right? Um, it's the best running back duo in the league. The offensive line is maybe not the best in the league. It's good enough. And it's built for the power run game. Should they be running a little more? Yes. But when you look at where the key moments are, there's only one or two where it's like, they should have run the ball here or the ball should have been in Nick Chubb's hands. They they crossed the goal line the other day in Baltimore with the winning points and it gets called back on an offensive pass interference. Mm-hmm. You know, they settle for the field goal. There's a false start. I don't I don't know if anybody moved. Sure looked to me like the only two guys jumping across were the Ravens defenders. Mm-hmm. You know, then the next one gets blocked. Um, again, like Clowney's just not been healthy. Denzel Ward has not been healthy. And, you know, I think from a scheme standpoint, the biggest thing is defense is taking away the run, but where they are in the big moments has not just been the decision on where to go with the ball or who has the ball. It's been a lack of execution and it's really been all three phases at different times. And will be interesting because the, the Bengals are on a stretch of playing the top four rushing offenses by DVOA in a row without DJ reader now without Josh Tupo um, going to be a big test. Be interesting to see if Stefanski sticks with, with what he wants to do, or if he recognizes that this is a, a compromised run defense. And if they do try to pound it down the, the Bengals throats Monday night, um, a lot of that of course will depend on whether Joe Burrow can get off to the fast start. Like they did last week against Atlanta. What, I mean, that's kind of, you, you kind of knew that there would be some hiccups with the Browns offense waiting on Deshaun Watson, but that, that defense, I mean, there's there's great players on that roster all over the place, and they're bottom of the league in points allowed, middle in yards allowed. Um, just 
like you said, it just hasn't connected. What 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 has been the biggest issue on defense? Well, they lost Anthony Walker, the middle linebacker, who's not a great player, but he was their smartest player. He was one of their most experienced players, and the downgrade was way more significant than anyone thought. You know, they they they're top heavy because they've paid all these guys, yeah. and so when you lose Clowney and Garrett for a game, um, they tried to go cheap and thin in defensive tackle, and that's burned them. And really, the theme over the last four-ish games has been teams just running it right at them. So um, the only place they really have any depth is corner. And even that's been tested because Denzel Ward has missed the last two games with a concussion. You would expect him to be back, but again, it's not like a a high ankle sprain or something where you can judge it on a certain number of weeks. You'll just see. Uh, And the safety play has been really bad. It's just been really bad. Grant Dolpit's a high second round pick in his third year who's supposed to be playing well. John Johnson's a free agent who's they still owe a lot of guaranteed money to. And again, like it's not like they've been bad every play for seven games, but they've been really bad in some big moments. And there's some classic photos of guys throwing their arms up, looking at each other, Mm. Uh, not just once, but like three times. What, why am I here? Why aren't you there? And so that's been really disappointing Jay and maddening because this is the first time in 15 years that the Browns have had continuity in terms of a third year coaches, coordinators, guys picking the players, And so you're supposed to have that, you know, the defense last year finished the year playing like a top five, top 10 unit and every guy is back except for the starting defensive tackles. And they were very replaceable, right? So they expected their whole formula was, well, a, obviously you don't do the Watson trade unless you think you're good enough and ready to win. But their whole formula was we are good enough defensively to hold it together and run the ball and win ugly. Did they think that in 11 games without Watson, they were going to be eight and three? No. But nobody thought two and five. And this current four-game losing streak has been different things. Um, As I wrote, it's not been one thing, one player, one decision sinking them. It's been a variety of things where they've been exposed. And when they've had chances, they just haven't come up with the big play at the right moment. A lot of those in the fourth quarter, uh, 70 points allowed in the fourth quarter. That's that's one shy of the Ravens for the most in the league. And then – you kind of referenced it earlier, too, with Jacoby Brissett. I mean, uh, well, he's got four turnovers in the fourth quarter this year. He only has three in quarters one through three combined. I mean, is that is, is that, um, I don't know, a lack of a clutch gene? Has it been situational? I mean, where was Well, they, they just, you know, they don't want him in those positions. He's a backup quarterback, right? And I yeah. think overall he's been better. And I would say, Jay, that two of those – are in they're not great throws but they're in pretty desperate situations where you have to throw the ball 18 20 yards down the field in that situation Mm -hmm. and so defense is waiting on it right one of them was really bad against the chargers he just threw into traffic instead of throwing it away they end up getting another chance because brandon staley goes for it in his own end and and they still miss the field goal so that's what i mean about the lack of connectivity but you know I, i just think specifically over the last two weeks defenses have said okay you might beat us, and we know you're better than your record indicates, but you are not going to beat us with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. We are going to stack the box, and we are going to make Jacoby Brissett with Donovan Peoples-Jones and David Njoku beat us. And now Njoku has a high ankle sprain, and he's certainly going to miss this game. They trust this backup tight end, Harrison Bryant, and he catches it, but he's no threat to make big plays. He'll, he'll make solid plays that help you move the chains, but he's no threat to make big plays. So, I, you know, I, I know the, the Bengals have the personnel issues, um, on, on their defense, but I expect to see extra guy in the box, two extra guys in the box, similar defensive plan to what the Browns have seen. And, you know, if the Bengals get beat, 
by the Browns because the Browns ran it, then shame on the Bengals. <laughs> you, you kind of touched on this when you first came on, and this is going to be in the whip around too about whether this is a two-team race, but I was going to say – I was going to wait not bury the Browns quite yet if they lose to the Bengals and go two and five, one and two in the division. Is that it? Is there no hope? Even yeah, well, they're two and five. They're sunk, right? They, they would have to get They would have to get this one. Um, and they would have to steal one along the way, which means winning at Buffalo in a few weeks, you know, it means Good luck going back. to Miami and winning. So like, yeah, I, I mean, now I will say this last year at this time when the Browns finally put like three quarters together and beat the Bengals by 25 in early to mid November. And if you'd have told me leaving the stadium that day, the Bengals are going to go to the Super Bowl. I would have said, <laughs> <laughs> right. But I, I, I think that, you know, there's just it's too long before Watson comes back. He hasn't played in two years. And basically the blueprint that was laid out for this team and why they thought they could do this and why they thought they could at least keep it afloat, if not be fine before he came back and while he got acclimated, none of that has been there. So, yeah, I, I, I won't be stunned if the Browns win the game because the Bengals should not be able to block the Browns if the Browns have Clowney, right? And, and if the Browns don't bury themselves in a 14 nothing hole early. But to think that the Browns, based on what we've seen, can put it together and be 10 and 7, 11 and 6 and win this division, that would be absolutely stunning. You referenced that 41 16 game last year. Uh, Denzel Ward with a huge 99 yard pick six in that game. I know you probably haven't had any availability with the team. This is we record this Wednesday morning. Concussions can be kind of a weird injury. Is there any sense of you know, what, what his chances are of playing Sunday or Monday. Night. Yeah. I mean, I would say chances, right? Like he was in the building last week. He was, he wasn't in practice, but he was doing everything else. He was in the meetings. He was getting his treatment. So you would hope that he would be cleared. You just don't know. Um, he does have some concussion history, but it goes all the way back to his rookie year. It's not like he suffered three in a year and they're going to take extra precautions. So it's just a matter of him, you know, getting out of the protocol and feeling good. I think the extra day will help. Uh, the Browns probably aren't going to have Pro Bowl guard White Wyatt Teller either. They're not closing the door on that, and and you know they think that there's a chance he could be back by the weekend. But their buy is after this. You know they paid Wyatt Teller forty million dollars last year. They're not going to push him back for one game. Denzel just got paid. Like they're not going to push him back. So they'll listen to the doctors. They would love to have those guys. But to me, most alarming, Clowney got hurt in week three. He missed two games. He came back for one. He missed another one. And he was held at, I think, 23 snaps last week. And they were rotating defensive linemen like crazy late in the game. Um, A, they were playing well. And B, they were just you know trying to keep fresh guys in there against Lamar and the Ravens. But they're playing a seventh-round rookie and a third-round rookie because Clowney couldn't get on the field. So, you know, will he be good to go given the extra day? Does he want to play? Certainly. But is he 100%? And, and are you going to get the, the best clowning effort that this Browns team needs? It's it's hard to say. A lot of that kind of stuff is, of course, out of the hands of the head coach. And that's part of the job. But I'm just curious, what's the climate up there with Kevin Stefanski? He goes from winning coach of the year in 2020 and winning a playoff game to now this. Is is the seat hot at all? Um, I would say it's warm. I just think it's uncomfortable. I, I would be stunned, Jay, if there was any plans to fire Kevin Stefanski. They right, they they made this commitment to Deshaun Watson. They were always willing to punt on a little bit on this season if they didn't do it. Um, on Tuesday, the special teams coordinator could get fired. On Tuesday, the defensive coordinator could get fired. Uh, and it's somewhere along the way Kevin Stefanski needs to help himself, right? Like the Browns need to have that we're the more prepared, we're the dominant team um like they, they they did in cincinnati last year in, in mid-november we haven't seen that since 
but no, that, that would be stunning. Um, you know, with continuity comes expectations, right? With continuity is supposed to come progress in little areas like winning the fourth quarter, like not melting down on special teams, like having the right guy to come in and be a depth piece when you lose somebody. And none of those things have happened. So, um, is it, is it going to be a strange December for reasons even outside of Deshaun Watson coming back to play football? Yes. But right now, do I think Kevin Stefanski's actually on the hot seat? Um, no, but but we'll talk again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk today. Uh, very, very excited for the trip to Cleveland. Uh, one, Christmas Ale is out. But more importantly, get to catch up with you in the press box Monday night and uh, talk a little further about the, this uh, Browns team and where the season's going. I will see you on Monday, my friend. All right. Thank you, Zach. All right. Again, I want to thank Zach Jackson for taking the time uh, to chat with us and give us insight uh, from over on the Brown side of things. If you're uh, watching on the stream, subscribe to our YouTube channel and you know all about uh, those those weekly conversations that Jay has when they pop up midweek looking at the other team and predictions from all of our great beat writers we have across the league. All right. Uh, Arby's time, Jay. Uh, any related Bengals insight extras or stories? I'm not gonna lie. I have a I have three here, so I don't I don't know why I just kept listing them and I pushed one back from the other. So I'll let you go ahead and and go first. Well, I tweeted this one, but uh, it it really there was a lot of talk today about Halloween candy and Halloween costumes, and I'm I'm not a big fan of the the outfits that guys wear walking in, but I'm gonna be paying attention on Sunday and it's not what they're going to wear into the stadium for the game on Monday, but it's what they're going to wear on the plane to fly to Cleveland because uh, Sam Hubbard allowed today that he is making all the rookies dress in costumes nice. uh, for the trip. And I said, uh, well, who, who picks them? Do you pick the costume or do they get to pick the costume? And he said, it's totally up to them, but they better be creative. So I am uh, interested to see uh, what some of these guys are going to be dressed as. It's not going to, you see it a lot in baseball where they, I don't even know if you can do it anymore, but they used to make the, the, the rookies on the final road trip dress and they would make them dress in dresses and dress up as females. I don't know that they do that anymore, but I I am interested to see what some of these guys are going to come up with, with Halloween costumes to, to wear on the plane. And the Bengals social media team always uh, tweets out those, those photos of what the guys are wearing uh, boarding the plane for their business trip. So look forward to seeing those tweets on Sunday. Absolutely. I like that. Um, I have one. This is just this would be kind of a, an extra. So on the site, um, Ken Rosenthal had a great tweet this week, and that was that there's really nothing better than a baseball beat writer who's been on a beat for a long time covering a massive moment for that team breaking through and referencing an incredible story by Matt Gelb, who covers the Phillies for us and has been covering the Phillies for a long time, um, writing about the Phillies winning the NL pennant. Great story. I read it. I read it and devoured it. It was just just incredible detail, depth, pulling stuff from all over the place from years back. In it, there was a piece that struck me today as we were going through this Jamar Chase scenario. It was about what actually helped spur the Phillies this year. And it was the time they had to play without Bryce Harper. They lost Bryce Harper in the middle of the season for a long stretch. And people were saying they were done. They were out. Like, they, they can't survive this. 
and they were kind of a mess already. And then that everyone else having to come together and prove they could win without him was really what turned them around. And then when Harper returned was really what helped set them on this pace that has them now playing in the World Series. This is baseball. It's a very different type of game. But the theory resonated me with this chase situation. Like, you can really learn a lot about the rest of these players. And you can really get a lot more out of the rest of these players and challenge yourself creatively as offensive play callers and play designers and tap into some other pieces of this offense while you're trying to get by without Jamar Chase. And then when Chase comes back, gosh, you feel like you have all these weapons now because you've mm-hmm. been utilizing these other things to whatever level of success. I mean, that that's sort of the success side of this. But that struck me. I love the story, but I highly recommend going back and reading if you get a chance. If you're a subscriber, I hope you are. Um, it's kind of the stuff that I love about The Athletic is like you just never know where you can pluck some of that and just go see some incredible writing about a team in a great moment from somebody who knows it better than anybody. Um, we have those types of writers all over our site, and um, it, it, it really struck me. Um, another one that I want to bring up, it was actually an extra that I remarkably haven't really had time for this week, and the extra being that uh, – Cam Taylor Britt, um, we had talked earlier this week how Lou Anarumo basically said, look, he's going to kind of – him and Eli are both going to play. And we talked about how they're figuring that out, and it looks like a thing where they're probably going to share time into the buy and figure it out. Uh, I get the sense that they're done figuring it out. and Cam Taylor Britt's going to start mm. Monday. It sounds like Cam Taylor Britt's going to get real, real, real run. Um on Monday. And so that's something certainly to keep an eye out for on what that means. Now, will Eli still sub in in a rotation? Um, I guess TBD, but it sounds like they really liked what they saw from Taylor Britt and really liked the idea of seeing what he can go bring to him out here now. And so keep an eye out for that. Extras, extra, extra on that one. Uh, Go ahead. So not going to call shenanigans, but is notable that Eli shows up with a hamstring injury mm. on the injury report today. How about that? Hmm. How about that? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, Eli Apple shows up with a hamstring injury. Cam Taylor Britt. Uh, keep an eye on that. So uh, my third one here, actually, I already mentioned. I realized that I, it was I mentioned how I was on the Civilized Barking podcast as everything started. <laughs> had been tracking this for a while and already had a bunch of stuff pre-written, but was kind of you know working on it on different levels. But you know, it was actually like, hey, you can come on, do the podcast. Like, oh yeah, of course, you know, hop on. And as soon as it happened, it's like, oh no. So very distracted human talked into a microphone for thirteen minutes. Um, but I did. I think you'd hear me furiously typing in the background uh, and sending messages. Um, okay, so let's let's get down to wrapping this thing up. Uh, I've got – Jay, you got stats. You got some stats for me for this game? Some yeah, Burrow I do. stats? Yeah, some Joe Burrow stats. So he currently has at least one touchdown pass in 14 consecutive games. Um, that – is the third longest in the league right now. He's one behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Kirk Cousins way out in front of everybody with 36. The, the notable thing about it is 
the the game that stopped his streak was Cleveland last year. They, they the forty one to sixteen loss at home. They were in the red zone, ready to score, and he threw the pick six to Denzel Ward. Take that one game out, and he's thrown at least one touchdown pass in twenty six of the last twenty seven games. Uh, and where he's at right now with the 14, uh, it's the third longest streak in Bengals history. Uh, Andy Dalton had a 16-game streak from December of 17 to September of 19. Hmm. Care to fashion a guess who holds the record and what that record might be for the Bengals? Boomer? Nope. Jeff Blake? It is Jeff Blake. Jeff Blake. Shake and Blake. 94 to 96. 94 to 95. 21 games in a row. Boom. Shake and Blake. The house that Blake built, Paul Brown Stadium. Don't forget that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Willie Anderson will tell you all about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's great. Nice. Pulling some Jeff Blake out. I love, love that on a Thursday night. Um, okay. So those are our Burrow stats. Um, Growler bet, Bengals growler bet. Okay, so uh, obviously at P. Daner, excuse me, P. Daner at theathletic.com or at Paul Daner Jr. on Twitter, you can uh, send your guesses to me. Just if you send me an email, make sure the word growler is in the subject head. And we're going to keep it pretty simple here. Uh, Well, not simple for the Bengals, but simple for you to guess. That is Nick Chubb rushing yards. Nick Chubb has been what he has been his entire career, an absolute menace, an absolute beast. This dude is the amazing thing and why Cleveland fans are pulling their hair out is how well he's playing and how he goes games without getting just fed the ball. It's unbelievable. Nick Chubb is averaging 5.9 yards per carry, 105.7 yards per game. His worst game, he's averaged averaged 4.7. I mean, he is just every time he touches it, he just, he is just a wrecking ball. And the Bengals know it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, having nightmares at this point watching last year's game, him run all over them. And it just is surprising to me that they have games where he doesn't have 17 to 22 touches. It's crazy to me, Uh, but that's the case. So how many yards will Nick Chubb run for is this week's Bengals growler bet? What do you think, Jay? Well, first I got a couple other Nick Chubb stats here. He has 47 missed tackles forced. Next closest in the league is 38. The, the guy in fourth place has 26, which is almost half of what Nick Chubb has. The other one, this is amazing. I dropped this on James Rapine, who was filling in for Mo on my regular spot on Thursdays this afternoon. Nick Chubb has 510 yards after contact this year. The Bengals have 612 rushing yards total. That's how dominant that guy is. He's just hard to bring down. Low center of gravity. The legs never stop churning. He's strong. Um I think he's going to have a game. I don't think he's going to go nuts. Um, I, I'm going 111. 111. Uh, yeah, I mean, man, you could see him going nuts. Uh, it, you really can. 
No DJ Reader uh, still stands out there. They did a great job against Atlanta, but you know this Browns offensive line and Chubb are just a different level. Uh, I still I'm with you. I I think he goes over 100. I, I had him for 105, so mm. I'll say I'll say 105. Um, so. That will be our Bengals growler bet for this week. Send it in again at Paul Daner Jr. Hashtag Bengals growler bet uh, or P Daner at theathletic.com with growler in the subject header. Okay. Uh, that brings us to prediction. Prediction time. Um, what do you got, Jay? Yeah, I think they're still going to be able to move the ball without Jamar. I think surprising where everybody thinks about the explosiveness that Jamar brings to the offense. I think the red zone might be where they where the you see his absence the most. So I, I I've got Bengals winning twenty three to seventeen with with three Evan McPherson field goals. I just think this beat this defense is. It's not a fluke now. I mean, seven straight games, no touchdown in the second half. The Browns offense is good as Nick Chubb is. Jacoby Brissett does not scare you. Um, I, I And what you said, too, about this team kind of taking exception to the fact that people think they're wrecked without Jamar Chase. Um, I'm betting against the trend because, as you all know, they've lost 23 of their last 24 primetime road games. But uh, I, I think I think they get this one. This this just feels different. Even I I probably wouldn't have had the margin be much different had Jamar Chase not gone down today or the news not come out today. Would maybe had a higher scoring game. But I'm that's what I'm going with. Bengals twenty three, Browns seventeen. Okay. Um, the Vegas line hasn't moved as far as I yeah. went. And double checked on it before we started. It was still sitting at three. Um, so they obviously were unaffected by the chase. You know, the something that Zach Jackson talked about. I mean, the Browns just play the same game every week. Mm-hmm. They get up, play well, and then just find some totally asinine way to blow it. <laughs> whether it's some some boneheaded Jacoby Brissett throw, or just some time management debacles, or whatever. False it's just, start it's on been, a field goal. False start on a field goal. It's <laughs> just been something. You know, the blowing the lead to the Jets, the impossible lead they blew to the Jets mm-hmm. earlier this year. I mean, every game has had just some absurdity. And what what is a you know what is sort of the common trait of these Bengals games, these road games in particular this year? Yeah, they've fallen behind, and then they always come back. They always find a way to come back and. And pull it up, and, and eventually, pro- sometimes pull it off at the, at the end. I think that happens here. I think it's a similar type of game where these teams play the games they play. Browns get out early, Monday Night Football energy, and they go up on the Bengals. Bengals kind of have a little bit of scuffling earlier as they try to get their offense going without Jamar Chase, and then second half comes. They figure some things out. They have their comeback. The Browns do the boneheaded thing that they're going to do this time, whatever that's going to be. And Burrow does the thing that he always does and find a way to win. Burrow with a touchdown in the last minute. Bengals win 27-23 over the Browns is my guess. Uh, My prediction for this weekend, just two teams playing the same type of game they've played all year. All right. Those are my our predictions. That wraps us up. Uh, Hope everybody uh, has felt better. I'm not trying to make you feel better. I just feel like at some point in time, we've got to just try to talk realistically about this current situation. Uh, who knows what's going to happen the rest of this year. Uh, but we tried to lay it all out for you. I hope you all enjoyed that. We'll be back live room Monday, 
noon. Bring your questions. Uh, we'll have them for you. You sit around and wait for Monday Night Football. And then, uh, of course, we'll have the walkout for you uh, after the game. Uh, I will be on Robert Mays' podcast Monday night, which will be right after the game ends. So if you want to flip over to the Athletic NFL show uh, on the live stream, you can check them out, and I'll be on there with Robert talking about that game. And then Jay and I, of course, will have the walkout ready for you in the morning. So all that stuff's coming. Plenty of content, content, content always coming your way. So we'll have that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.